Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Best Phone Plans podcast. This is episode five. I'm Stetson, and with me, as always, is Dennis. Dennis, how are you doing today? As always, my friend, we're doing well. How about yourself, man? Great to hear. I'm doing mighty fine myself. Uh, yeah, so for, for this episode, I'd just like to provide a quick outline. What we're going to be doing is talking about ways to reduce your cell phone bill in 2021. We're going to be talking about uh, some fun topic topics and some news. And then we'll be ending the show with all Patreon and Super Chat questions. And um, we actually got a really good one today. So I'm excited for that. So make sure you stick around. Uh, but yeah, Dennis, let's just kind of dive right into it with uh, ways to reduce your cell phone bill in 2021. I feel like, you know, 2020 was kind of a stressful year. 2021 already seeming to be a little bit stressful as well. Um, and finding ways to save money is always a good thing. So where do you think, you know, we should start with this? Uh, I think the first thing we should talk about is device payments and just costs that don't actually have to do with actual cell phone service. Because I feel like that's the biggest expense for a lot of people. Yeah, I, I agree with that. So what would that include? That would be like maybe device financing, maybe insurance plans. Yeah, insurance plans, upgrade plans, old leasing plans on like the old sprint plans, just anything that gets you roped into you not owning something and having to pay that extra 15, 20, 30 dollars per line on your bill. That is the the first target of mine and the easiest way to help you save like a lot of money. Yeah. Um and we should propose some alternatives for people to that. Absolutely. Yeah. So let's maybe just talk about device financing uh, specifically, and maybe we can do like insurance plans and, and whatever after. Uh, for me, device financing, I'm usually very against it. And there's one specific uh, category of device financing I'm against, and it's the upgrade plans. Uh, for example, let's take, this isn't really from a carrier, but I know like T-Mobile has, actually, I don't know what T-Mobile offers. They the jump program. Yeah. This jump, is that still available? Uh, it's been modified and tweaked, but I believe they have some iteration of it still. Yes. Okay, so we'll just call this like a broad category of the financing plans designed to allow you to upgrade early. And the reason I'm not a fan of these plans is typically the agreement is structured such that let's say it's 24 month financing. That's a typical period, right? Uh, but you're paying 1 24th of the value of the phone typically in these agreements. So by the end of 12 months, when you're ready to upgrade, you have paid off 50% of the value of the phone. And then you trade in your device that basically clears out the remaining device payments that you had to make for it. And then you get a new device and you're reset with the device payments you need to make for that. However, the caveat and the problem is 50% of the device is more expensive than what you could have gotten if you had purchased the phone outright and then resold it and use that money to then buy a new phone. So if you purchase your phone outright, uh, let's say it's an iPhone. You got an iPhone 11 last year. It was 700 bucks. You sold it for maybe 500 or 550. And then you use that money to buy the new phone. That ends up being significantly cheaper than paying like 300 or $400 per year to lease your device. So that's my take on that. I agree. And also, it's also worth mentioning, Stetson, as you were talking about selling your older phone, is that oftentimes... You can get significantly better deals if you buy a used phone off like the the third hand market. Like when yeah. people like Stetson sell their phones, right? An iPhone 11 is still great. Like there's the only thing it's really missing is 5G, which as we've seen from testing, yes, 5G is making a difference, but it really depends on the market. It depends on what you're connecting to. Like it's not the end of the world if you don't have that feature, right? But Absolutely. I'm seeing 
I'm seeing iPhone 11s go for like 350 bucks, you know, on like eBay sometimes or even on Craigslist in my local market. I've seen them go for even cheaper, um, which that, you know, if you're someone like that, like buys an older phone, you can use that iPhone for probably another three four years before you have to upgrade it you know what i mean and you're it's so true it. i think apple's doing a fantastic job with the longevity of their devices really the only thing that degrades is typically battery i think we've reached a sort of a plateau in the last couple of years where device performance is basically the same uh maybe save some camera improvements and things like that but the overall like you're opening your email app the same speed you're sending messages like everything you need is there and everything works really really well uh, the only thing that may degrade is the battery. And you can actually typically get that replaced uh, for a reasonable cost. Uh, yeah, isn't it like 25 bucks or something with Apple? Yeah, it depends if you have Apple Care or if you go with um, kind of a different insurance policy. But still, that's one of the most affordable parts of the phone to replace. And you're getting uh, such a great value to begin with that, um, you know, even if you only keep it, you buy a gently used phone, you keep it for two years. That's still such a tremendous value in comparison to getting like a brand new flagship phone that's super expensive. Like you're you're really just uh you're getting such a sweet deal and and Samsung phones and Android phones in particular because there's so many they lose their resale value uh so quickly, which is bad if you're someone like me who always buys the new one and then has to resell it a year later. I think my S20 I bought it for like 1200 bucks and you can get them now for like 650, which which is insane just a year later. Um but even like an S10 I think is like around 300 or 350 dollars. Uh, which is such a good value for, you know, what was essentially a flagship phone just a couple of years ago. Right. And, you know, on that note, too, we don't you don't even have to buy used. I mean, just look at we talked about this last week's episode, but like AT&T is doing some pretty significant discounts on new iPhone 11s anyway. So just buying one year behind, you, know, you can save a lot of money and it's like you're still getting an upgrade over whatever you had previously. So it's still a win for you. Absolutely. And, and yeah, Um but basically, long story short of that discussion is you guys should stop financing your phones. It's kind of a rip off. <laughs> yeah, that's, I mean, that's how I feel too. Um, <laughs> and I will say like, if you choose to purchase your phone outright, you know what I'm a big proponent of for the channel with all my videos, you buy your phone outright, you can then choose any plan you want, right? This suddenly makes you eligible for like Visible's $40 unlimited plan, literally saving over $400 per year compared to a single line on Verizon's play more or do more unlimited plan, which are $80 per month. Uh, same thing goes on the T-Mobile network. Instead of paying $70 a month for Magenta for one line, you buy your gently used phone, you get a great deal on that. You switch over to a plan from like Mint Mobile where you're paying 35, no, it's 30 bucks a month, excuse me, 30 bucks a month for a 35 gig plan. That's gonna meet the needs of like 90% of users out there and save you over, I think it's $600 per year, which is just insane. Um, yeah. So that's that's kind of the thesis that I have around, you know, how to how to get great value on your service, buy your phone outright, get an affordable plan to meet your needs. And uh, typically the MVNOs, the prepaid plans deliver a better value than uh, the postpaid plans from the major carriers. Uh, depends on your area, though, depending on network congestion, you may want that priority data. But I think for most people, especially on the AT&T and T-Mobile networks, I really do feel that, you know, going with an MVNO, going off contract, I mean, it's not really a contract anymore, but just getting a more affordable plan and buying your phone outright is the way to go. Especially because, too, when you buy your phone outright, a lot of times carriers will give you Visa cards when you bring your own phone over. Like, uh, 
I think Visible was doing that for a while. You got a two hundred dollar prepaid Mastercard if you switched. Visible was doing it. Xfinity is doing it right now. Like you get a fifty dollar. Oh shoot! Yeah, you're right. You get a fifty dollar Visa card per line that you bring over, and that stacks with um, an online offer they're doing. Where if you get like their blast internet and above, you get an additional like hundred and fifty dollars. So like having your own phone basically to bring around is really great because now you're actually getting paid to switch over, which is great instead of being like, here's my old phone, and then doing this whole trade in deal, and in the end you're just paying more anyway. Because like you were saying, postpaid carriers anyway are typically like thirty dollars more expensive than you know, a prepaid comparable options. Right. Yeah. For, for single lines, especially like I want to emphasize that I think if you have a family plan, it it could be a little bit different. Um, But yeah, I mean, when you own your device too, like anytime there is a promo and you're ready to switch, like you can basically take advantage of all the promos and uh, switch carriers as you see fit. Or maybe if your usage changes, you're not locked into an affordable plan. Like you can bump up, all right, I need something more premium. Or you're like, hey, I'm not using this unlimited plan. Let me switch to something more affordable. Like I just feel the flexibility that uh, getting your owning your own phone offers you is so huge and so important. Uh, Dennis, you, oh. uh, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. You want to finish your thought there? Yeah, the last thing I was just going to say was, especially if you travel too, I mean, we talked about this a couple episodes ago too, but when I lived in South Korea for a month, one of the things I did with my unlocked phone was I just bought a SIM card from a local carrier in that country versus paying like all the fees, which that wouldn't have been an option to me if I was still financing a phone from like Verizon, where now it's carrier locked. But that was the one thing I was going to say on that. Sorry. Exactly. Such a such a great point. My next question for you, Dennis, is what's your take on insurance plans, insurance policies? How should we be protecting our phones? So I'm a firm believer that insurance is good for certain things in life, like healthcare. But paying insurance on a phone is usually just not a good deal because typically speaking, like I, I'm going to use the iPhone 12 as an example. To get sure. insurance on an iPhone 12, I know it's $15 per month typically for most places. Um, now, an iPhone 12 goes for around, we'll say, 850 bucks. Just to make it even number. Let's just say it's 850 bucks to get an iPhone 12, right? Yep. Well, you're paying towards the phone. You're basically double paying towards the phone each month. So when you reach that 12-month point, if you hadn't had the insurance, you probably could have had the phone paid off at anyway, like at, at that point anyway. That's, and, if you, yeah. and, and if you're someone that breaks your phones, if you look at like the fine print on these insurance policies, which they all go through the same like third party, like all the carriers use the same third-party insurance code company to handle the claims. But if you read the fine print, even if you break the phone, you still have to pay a deductible oftentimes to get the phone replaced. And it's not even going to be new. It's going to be like a refurbished model. Like it'll be like $200 to replace like a refurbished phone. Or if you crack the screen, you still got to pay $30 to get it fixed. Basically, what I'm getting at is by the time you're likely to break your phone, you probably would have been better off just getting something new anyway. And if you're worried about something small like a screen crack, um, there's plenty of third party like fixing places that will probably charge you i mean like 50 bucks but how often are you actually cracking your screen uh, i feel like you could probably get away with just a nice solid OtterBox case and, and if you really have to maybe a tempered glass screen protector and you're probably going to be just fine like phones have gotten a lot more durable and basically uh, yeah, yeah you can basically just get a case a screen protector call it a day the amount of money you're saving by not having insurance uh, will basically add up over time to, you know, if your phone does break or something does happen, it'll probably be cheaper to just like purchase last year's gently used model or something like that. 
um, and not have to, to really worry about it. Um, I guess my take is usually I feel like the carriers are more expensive. I remember when I was a Sprint customer, I think they added some insurance policy. It was like $20 a line or something like that. And uh, really, it, that was just crazy expensive. When uh, I actually like going with the manufacturers directly for insurance claims. So if Google offers something, if Samsung offers something, Apple is their Apple Care program. Like if you do want insurance and you feel like that's something you want, then I would go directly with manufacturer as opposed to going from the carrier because I think the carrier is using uh, Dennis Mitchell, like, yeah, like Insurion or like some third-party site, uh, and you get a refurbished phone anyway. It's typically not a great experience. You have to pay a deductible on top of the monthly payments. So I think my uh, my flatmate actually cracked the glass on his iPhone 11 Pro Max. And on top of the insurance that they were paying per month, it was like $250 to get it fixed. And I think, you know, one year of like $10 a month is another 120 bucks. You're looking at like $360. That's like right in line with, all right, maybe I'll just keep this or like sell it for the current value it has. And then, you know, buy a, a new phone or, or get something else. So not to mention the opportunity cost. I mean, if you have an insurance policy, a lot of times they make you send the phone back before they issue you the new one. Yeah, so you're so going without like, a phone. Yeah, you're going like two weeks without a phone, which I don't. I know this is going to sound cheesy as ever, but time is money. Like the amount of phone calls that would have got me some money that I would have lost by not having my phone far as outweigh me just buying a new phone and replacing it if something really did happen, right? And honestly, if I know that I'm someone that's going to be breaking phones pretty regularly, like let's just say I did some type of construction job or something. I would probably stick away from like the $1,500 phone, right? I'd probably buy something that's like 500 bucks. like a one. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, this kind of dovetails actually into the financing discussion we had at the beginning where I feel like sometimes the financing agreements can make it feel like you can afford a phone that uh, you may not want to afford. Like, you know, I'm looking at the iPhone 12 right now and Apple's advertising it as from $33.29 a month. Uh, but this is an $800 phone, right? So if you don't have the $800 right now to purchase his phone, uh, then I like don't do it. And even though the financing makes it seem super affordable, like, of course, I can spend, you know, the 30 bucks a month, uh, I would really encourage you to make sure you can afford the full upfront payment uh, before you sign any financing agreement whatsoever. And, and make sure you're buying devices you can afford, like, and maybe it's worth it saving up going with a budget model for a couple of years, saving on your cell phone bill, saving that money, letting it pile up, and then splurging on maybe a new flagship device you really want. Uh, that was kind of, oh, sorry. Well, that was just kind of my approach. And it, I was just going to add on to that, especially too when we were talking about the upgrade programs. Uh, like if you get into one of those finance agreements where you're doing the upgrades, let's just say you did damage your phone, you would have to pay to fix it anyway before you could even trade in to do the upgrade anyway. Like you just I forgot about that. <laughs> oh, that really stings. I know with Apple, they include Apple Care, which makes the monthly, like your monthly payment actually increases because of that. But it's, yeah, you're right, Dennis. You still have to pay either the 30 or I think it's maybe $90 deductible on, you know, depending on the scale of the damage. So it really they, just adds up. Basically, the only time insurance makes sense is if you're buying like a very expensive phone and you're breaking that phone like like three times a year, four times a year. Like that's the only time where I can say like, okay, you know, you're a klutz. I gotcha. That's the one and only time I can think insurance might make sense. Because at the end of the day, insurance is you betting against yourself. 
That's the only way that you win the insurance game. You're betting against yourself that you're going to basically mess up enough times that you're walking away with the win. But there's so many caveats with these insurance policies and so many headaches that people really don't want to think about that I'm very like anti-insurance policy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think, hey, getting a good case, honestly, the problem with phones uh, they break when you drop them. So you really just want to prevent the drop. That's what you want to prevent. And I feel like if you get a case that's grippy, that's tactile, that helps prevent the drop, and then is protective in a case where it, you do drop it, I think that, you know, $50 on a case, which is more expensive than it used to be for sure, but you pair that with a glass screen protector, and I think you're really looking at uh, a good value for protection on something that'll last you a while. Um, and, and I'll just say Stetson, I don't even rock a... like knock on wood i've never cracked a screen but i don't even rock a screen protector like i literally just buy a thin and light case usually for, yeah, the, for the grip right and that's and that's about it and i'll just say like i've never cracked the screen thankfully and honestly one other point i was just going to mention is when it comes to insurance what you got to remember people is you insure things that are actually valuable things that incur value phones are like a boat oh they depreciate <laughs> yeah they they literally depreciate like the minute you buy it so is it really worth insuring this thing because it's not actually worth much um so um yeah i will i will just say though there are if you get like an insurance policy that has other perks like say for example data recovery or something like other services related then that trade like that might change up the deal but again long story short guys don't get insurance that's an easy way to save money yeah, it, it really does depend. I mean, I want to give a shout out actually to uh, live listener David Hall, who's joined us on the YouTube live stream of this podcast episode. He was saying Apple Care actually got him a new iPhone 12 Pro, which is great. And that's one example where it can make sense. And that is, again, going directly with the manufacturer. But I think uh, to our point that going with some of the policies from the carriers, typically just it ends up adding up. Uh, a lot of people have older devices that aren't even worth that much anyway. Like I remember uh, my flatmate was telling me, uh, you know, I think his dad's on a business plan and they were insuring different phones, but they're like two or three year old devices at this point, And they're paying like $15 a month for insurance when that really just adds up and you could you could just buy an upgrade to a new phone itself. Uh, so that's that. Uh, Dennis, I think another great way to reduce your plan is actually getting a plan with the data amount you need, right? So how much data do you feel like people need? Do you think people know how much data they need off the bat? I definitely don't think people know what they need. And then as far as how much do I think they need? Well, okay. How much do I think they need? I actually think people get away with like probably like five gigs of data, maybe yeah. less. That sounds good. How, how much do they want? I feel unlimited. like, <laughs> yeah, like how much do they want? Cause they don't want to worry about it. They probably want like unlimited or 20 gigabytes plus. Um, yeah. So I think our third tip here is to get a data plan that meets your needs. And, uh, you know, it kind of depends what your specific needs are, but there are studies that are being done. Cisco has an annual report that I've referenced a couple times and their annual report shows that only 36% of people. So that means 60, 64% of people out there, average consumers use less than 10 gigs per month. Okay. And then if you jump up to the next tier, that's 20 gigs, only 18% of people use more than 20 gigs of data per month. So that means 72 people, or is that 82 people? Shoot, 82 people, 82%, excuse me, 82% of consumers out there 
are using less than 20 gigs of data. So you're going to be totally fine with pretty much any plan that's between like 10 to 15 to 20 gigs of data uh, based on reports. And you, you can use your phone exactly how you're using it now. You can be streaming music, you can be watching videos, and you can be doing things like that. Um, but there are also ways to reduce your data usage. If, if you want to try and cut down and go with even a, a lower gig plan, I was actually on a three gig plan for a while. Uh, so yeah, Dennis, how can people try and reduce their uses? I have some tips here too, if you're, uh, you run out. Yeah, I mean, three super easy things that you can do. And I know these are going to sound like obvious, but one is take advantage of Wi-Fi whenever you have it. I mean, when you're at home, there's no point using your cell phone data when you got a good, reliable Wi-Fi connection. I mean, you're paying good money for it. And when you go out and about, you know, take, I mean, take advantage of, you know, the public Wi-Fi sometimes. I mean, like if you're a Comcast customer, Comcast gives you free Wi-Fi hotspots all over the place and they're relatively secure. And if you are worried about doing something that's sensitive, like banking, I highly recommend just using like a VPN or something. Yeah, like shout out, shout out to the affiliate ExpressVPN. You can sign up expressvpn.com slash Stetson if you're interested in getting three months free. Little plug there for an affiliate partner. <laughs> but take <laughs> nice one. Nice one. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> But take advantage of free Wi-Fi, basically. I mean, Wi-Fi is pretty ubiquitous. Pretty much every bar or water hole or anywhere you pretty much go has Wi-Fi pretty much available at this point. So take advantage of free Wi-Fi. That's number one. Uh, number two is that um, when you're watching video content, right, because video is typically the largest data consumption you're going to probably do on a phone if you're just a normal person, instead of blaring it in full, like, 4K glory, right, Maybe just dream. settle with seven. Maybe just settle with seven twenty p, or even four eighty p. Four eighty p. I mean, you. So you can. I've done side by side tests, and side by side, you can tell the difference. But if you're watching something on your phone, right? First of all, you put your phone down. It's a small screen. You put it like a foot away from your arms, arms length away, and all of a sudden, it looks great at four eighty p, right? Just because of how you know dense the pixels are at that distance. Um, and I, I don't think you notice. And if you're watching content on your phone, like you're not in it for that theatrical experience. That's that's what your home TV, home entertainment system, whatever you have, that's what that's for. So if you're you know streaming stuff on the go, drop it down to 480p. I would even suggest if you have Wi-Fi at home and you know you're going to need music or, or maybe you, you enjoy watching YouTube videos, grab YouTube Premium, download your content for offline playback, download your Spotify playlist for offline playback, and that's going to save you you know, a couple megabytes when you would have been streaming that otherwise. So, yeah, I mean, a lot of apps do have offline downloads. Google Maps is another one. I mean, I mean, just like I can honestly tell you, I have my whole Spotify library downloaded to my SD card on my phone, and I never, ever use data when listening to music. Like, honestly, I have an unlimited plan. I stay under two gigs of data per month at this point. So. <laughs> I get the $10 kickback. Um, Dennis, you are our target audience. You could be saving money by reducing your plan. <laughs> I, I definitely could, but I already told you about how I'm grandfathered. I know, I know. You have such an amazing deal. I, I know, I know, and I respect what you're doing. But yeah, for anyone else out there, like really, there are ways to reduce your data usage, downloading content on Android phones who have external SD cards. That's amazing. I wish iPhones had that. Um, and yeah, switching to a plan that maybe has a lower tier data and just trying it out. And, and that's the thing with cell phone plans. Like you can switch every month based on what meets your needs. And I think that's a great way to, to try and save some money because it, it does add up these monthly costs, even if it's 10 to 20 bucks like that adds up to, you know, a couple hundred dollars a year. And at the end of the year, 
uh, it does make a difference. You have some extra cash. Maybe you put that towards a new phone. Maybe it's a vacation. Maybe it's something else you're saving up for. Um, and that's what we're going for here. Like we want you to save money so you have more resources to put it towards things you enjoy. And that's uh, that's kind of the point. I'll also mention while we're here that there are tools and settings in iOS and Android that can help you. Android users especially, there's uh, a settings where you can go in and you can monitor your data usage. You can set actual limits so your phone will just shut off cellular data. That's really helpful. You can set warnings if you want to just kind of more proactively track it. And you get a great chart of your data usage. I actually love that a lot. On iPhone, uh, Dennis, what would you say the status is on iPhone for data usage? iPhone is a little bit lacking in how advanced you can get, but uh, I know they do have like a reduced data usage mode so that like, like apps aren't constantly doing like their background checks and like the background trying to pull stuff, which yep. can work well. But I will just say in my experience of using it, it kind of broke Snapchat, for example. I didn't end up getting notifications for people. So maybe take it more granular and pick particular apps that you know you don't use. Like, for example, um, does Facebook really need to be constantly checking your background usage all the time? I'll just definitely not for example. Um, so there's things that you can do there. Um, I mean, at the end of the day, basically what just become, it's like a lifestyle choice, right? Like when people tell you to lose weight, right? It's not like one particular fad diet that you can do. You have to like change your lifestyle up a little bit. And I basically, it's the same way with data usage. Um, it doesn't require huge changes. Little things go a very long way. But if you can become what I like to call data conscientious, just be mindful of the fact that, you know, maybe I don't need to watch this one hour Netflix movie when I'm not on my like not on my Wi-Fi. Right. Maybe I can do something else. Right. Yep. Maybe read a book, one on a plane, for example, or just do different things. And you can easily reduce your data habits very quickly. Like I can honestly tell you, like I said, I use less than two gigs of cell phone data now at this point on my cell phone plan because we're on I, wi-fi most of the time i think is and it's right? yes it's because i'm on wi-fi like like 80 percent of the time now and when i'm not the things that i'm doing are just browsing reddit which uses barely nothing sending work emails which uses barely nothing and the only thing i really just don't do anymore is just watch like full resolution youtube unless it's something i download like a podcast that i knew i was going to listen to anyway yeah so. yeah and there's one setting for iphone users there's a toggle for wi-fi assist and I suggest you turn that off. You can find it just by searching in your settings app. That typically allows your phone to use cellular data when Wi-Fi signal is poor, but you want to turn that off so that your phone actually does try and use Wi-Fi. So it helps reduce your cellular data usage. And you can also on iPhone just turn off data for specific apps if you want. And there are ways to manage your data. People don't really, I think, enjoy doing that, which is why a lot of people can enjoy getting with uh, an unlimited data plan. But as I talked about uh, their reports, uh, Statista had a chart that projected the average cellular data usage would be about 8.9 gigs in 2021 for the average consumer. And I think people may uh, may use less than they think. So I would encourage you to try it. You know, hopefully you found these tips helpful. Um, Dennis, is there anything else you may want to talk about for how to reduce your cell phone bill from these uh, major providers? Yeah, I want to just leap on to one more thing, and it's for those people out there that do have to have postpaid priority data. I think we should talk about some things they can do to at least get better rates with the postpaid carriers. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. What are, what are some tips for this? I actually, I typically sign up for the prepaid carriers, so I'm actually less familiar with this. What are your tips for uh, postpaid subscribers? So a couple tips that I have. One is look into different discounts that postpaid carriers have. Like 
are you military? Is your spouse military? You know, a lot of companies do military discounts. You know, we talked about FirstNet before, right? Uh, look into employee discounts. A lot of big and a lot of employers will have deals with a particular company where you get like special rates. Like my dad, for example, you know, before he you know, before we got the discount because of his firefighting stuff, he used to work for another job and he got a discount with AT&T from that. And it was like 22 percent. Um, I know with my company, if I wanted to get Verizon postpaid, which I never will, but if I wanted to, I would get a discount. Um, so just look at like employer discounts, stuff like that. Uh, also look at like low income things. There's a lot of low income programs out there and carriers don't usually market as too much, but they usually have some types of programs for like low income individuals on like lifeline and different stuff like that, that are kind of hidden. So know about the discounts is one of them. Two is know what the carriers are offering new customers if you are an existing customer so you can call and haggle like if you know that you're if you know what they're offering is like some sweet deal four lines for 100 bucks know that talk to them and be like i want this or like i'll you know i'll switch right know what everybody else is offering know what your friends are paying you know information is power when you have that discussion Uh, i'll also just say that um being nice I know this sounds really s- stupid, but if you're being nice, a lot of times people are people and they'll be more willing to help you. Like on T-Mobile's Reddit, um, for anybody that follows that, I see people all the time talking about employees at the stores, hooking them up with like these like special discounts that they get on their multi-line free line deals where they get like an extra 30 bucks off. Super incredible. It's something that like employees usually have as like a perk in their back pocket to close a sale. But sometimes if you're really nice, someone will help you out if you're in a tight, you know, tight spot. It's so true. I want to take a moment to just emphasize that, you know, one of my friends is a T-Mobile customer and, you know, he's been really great with them. And he reached out one day and was just kind of like, hey, you know, what can you do to help lower my bill? And the representative, the T-Mobile representative was also super nice. I'm just like, you know, uh, you're getting the best deal possible with, you know, your free line promotions, but I can give you a one-time $50 credit. And he was like, great, thanks. Like, that's amazing. And I will say, from my experience, at least T-Mobile has had some of the the friendliest representatives that I've interacted with. And, you know, if you're nice yourself, you're patient. These are real, real people. They have to help uh, tons of consumers, customers with their problems and issues. And, you know, having a friendly face or, or just being polite and, and courteous and online chats, I think it can go a long way. Yeah, I mean, honestly, the biggest one really is nice. It's like, I'm not joking, guys. Like, I know it's easy to get frustrated. I know it sucks to talk to the robot and be on hold. But at the end of the day, I know it's hard to think, but it's just another person on the line. And kindness goes a very long way, being patient and understanding. Because sometimes, too, you know, no matter how nice you are, there really might not be something they can do. But it's not because they don't want to, right? Like, do you really think the person on the other end really cares about, you know, AT&T or T-Mobile making an extra 10 bucks, right? Do you really think that's the case? <laughs> you know what I mean? So just be nice. Get get knowledge and information and take advantage of different social media platforms around Reddit, uh, T-Force on Twitter, you know, diff- plenty of tools. And, and just and just ask sometimes, you know, it never all you can hear is no if you ask. A lot yeah, of yeah it's, that's the worst. So that's my tips. Yeah, I I think that's great. To recap quickly, we suggest purchasing your device unlocked at full price. Consider a gently used phone, maybe last year's model or one that's one or two years old because you can get an excellent deal on that. I personally buy and sell on a website called Swappa. And if you're interested, you can find them linked in the show notes and in the video description if you're watching this live. Uh, We also suggested that you you know, check your data usage. Maybe you're able to switch to either an off-contract plan or 
there's there's I'm so used to calling them off contract, but really I mean like a prepaid plan or a plan from an MVNO where instead of spending let's say seventy dollars per month with T-Mobile Magenta, maybe you can get the thirty dollar plan from Mint Mobile, and you can also reduce your data usage with those tips. And as Dennis mentioned, if you do need postpaid priority data, you know uh, be aware of the available discounts, military, veteran, fifty five plus discounts, student discounts. Be aware of what the new offers are for new customers uh, and just be polite. So I think those are some great tips for trying to reduce your cell phone bill in 2021. Use Wi-Fi as much as you can and hopefully save up and uh, get something awesome that you enjoy. All right, Dennis, I think we should move on to some news topics for today. What do you have queued up for us? Let's hit it. So um, the first thing I want to talk about is Verizon Fios has has introduced what's called their Fios Ford program. And basically, this is Verizon Fios equivalent to what other providers have done, like Comcast, with their Internet Essentials program. It's targeted at low-income individuals that are on the Lifeline program. They get a really substantial discount. And, for example, you can now get 200 by 200 megabit symmetrical Internet speed for 20 bucks. If you're a Fios customer, it qualifies on Lifeline. That's insane. I'll also add, this is without any data cap, too. Like, this is true, unlimited, no data cap plan. Yeah, it's it's super exciting because Stetson, we've talked plenty of times now, but, like, the U.S. has a huge problem with internet infrastructure and the digital divide. Like, millions of Americans, you know, are underserviced. Millions of Americans have access but can't afford it. So this is just extremely great news to hear that Verizon's actually doing something now um, with this program, especially since there seems to be no end in sight for COVID and remote learning. So I'm super jazzed about this. Like I'm actually generally super excited and really proud of Verizon for introducing this finally. This is huge. This is huge. Yeah. I'm seeing the plans 200, 200 for 20 bucks, 400, 400 for 40 bucks and gigabit speeds, 940 down 880 up for just $60 per month. I mean, that's tremendous, tremendous value and really great on Verizon for kind of helping make high-speed internet access more accessible and more affordable. I really appreciate that. Yeah, especially since too, like a lot of times when companies do these promotions, a lot of times they'll peel back from like useful features. Like um, I'm using Comcast because I'm most familiar with the, what they did, but like their internet essentials program from Comcast, right? They only give you 25 megabit per second internet for the download speed and then three up and it's 10 bucks, right? Yeah. yeah. Verizon is just straight up saying, no, here's just a flat discount. You're getting the same level of treatment as any other customer would, right? Like if you were to call Comcast and try to apply for it, they make you kind of feel kind of like poo poo, right? Like they make you feel embarrassed about it. Like they don't, they don't openly publicize it. There's a whole nother department they transfer you to. Like it's a really tedious process. Fios seems to be doing a way cleaner job of making it easier for people. And like, I, I'm just really excited. I, I'm just really happy that this is happening. Cause like, it's crazy to me how hard it is to get affordable internet. Um, if you're not one of the lucky few people that has like a municipal or like true competition so like that's one of the first things i wanted to say that i was super excited about yeah that's Um, huge thanks for bringing that up continue on though with verizon how about the fact that they just added discovery plus for 12 months for their for 12 months for their wireless customers yeah and and they added it for fios customers too if you sign up as a new customer with them that's a great perk uh do we know what plans that's included on yeah um 
So for Fios, it's for like all of their internet plans. If you're a new customer, you get it for 12 months. And then I believe it's for all the uh, Verizon postpaid unlimited plans from get more and up basically. Yeah. So to clarify, I'm seeing you get discovery plus free for 12 months with play more unlimited, get more unlimited. Actually, those are, I thought there was a fourth one, but it's just play more and get more and the do more plan and the start unlimited plan are getting discovery plus for six months. So kind of like a, a sneak peek trial kind of thing, I guess. Um, but yeah, that's still like a really great added value for being a Verizon customer. It's amazing. They're able to just boom, like, here you go. Here's like an extra perk with your plan. I think that's awesome. Now, Stetson, I know you don't tr traditionally watch a lot of live TV. So is there anything on Discovery Plus that you're kind of excited to watch or want to binge? Uh, no, I don't even know what they have, to be honest. I'm still just dipping my toes into Disney Plus. Uh, there's so many shows on Netflix I got to catch up on, to be honest with you. Um, but I think I should have it, to be honest, because I'm part of a Verizon plan that I met on Reddit and we we should get it like i'm on the plan that you get it so i'll i'll check back and see what happens but uh as of right now i'm not sure what the shows are and i'm not sure so basically discovery plus is basically like all the channels that i can't remember the company that owns it but it's like hgtv which that's like your channel where they have like the fixer upper and like those different like houses channels you usually see them at like doctor's offices and hospitals they got uh, yeah. food network for like guy ferrari you know, Discovery Channel, of course, and um, TLC for like 90 Day Fiance. Uh, and then I believe, uh, I believe added on to that. Well, actually, not that I believe. I know that A&E is also part of that conglomerate of networks, which they have one of my shows that I've been binge watching, which is 60 Days In. I just okay. up finishing up season six. And then they also in like the Travel Channel, the Science Channel, History Channel for like American Pickers. Um, so Animal Planet, you know, they got a lot of like, content that comes off of live tv which again i know probably mo a lot of people probably don't care about it. i guess a lot of people don't watch tv anymore but i do watch a lot of tv i think it's kind of cool don't know if i would personally go out of my way to buy it because i can get a lot of those channels and then some from something like youtube tv right and then i'm getting my sports still but yeah it's still pretty cool uh, it is I cool i know there's supposed to be some exclusive content i believe that's going to be coming its way too so that depending on what ends up becoming exclusive and comes out might change my mind. But at the moment, it's just a lot of stuff that comes off a of cable from my understanding. Yeah, I agree. And this is a pretty good value. I mean, the discovery plus plan starts at five bucks with an ad supported model and to get ad free, it's $7 a month. Uh, so the fact that Verizon's including this is um, it's pretty nice. It's a little added perk. I don't know, like the content for all of these streaming providers, the content really is what needs to sell it for you, the consumer and, and what shows and entertainment you enjoy to watch. Uh, but I think it's kind of cool that these big carriers are starting to find ways to incorporate these streaming services to add value with their plan because it, you know, it kind of makes sense. You have a customer who's paying monthly, you got their credit card on file. Why not give them something else? Give them a, a little extra offer to to consider. Yeah, I mean, it definitely adds value, at least for the first year on Verizon's plans. I'll give them that. But uh, I still think, honestly... When it comes to what I care about, it's important. The minute I started getting charged for that, I would be like, get rid of it. Like, yeah, yeah, it's gone. It's gone. It's, it's I mean, gone. I'm in it just for the plan, right? And the yeah. fact that I'm getting Disney Plus is just a bonus. Uh, my personal take with streaming services is I would sign up for what I need or what I want to watch when I want it. And then I would just cancel and then switch to something else and like kind of cycle between them. Yeah, I mean, we, we've had this discussion before, but to me, there's only like two streaming services that I absolutely have to have. And they're Netflix and HBO Max. 
And those are like the only two that like if I have to pay for something I have to have, they're those two. And then from there, I can get by with just those two because there's a lot of free ones, which again, I know you don't know about a lot of them, but like... Oh yeah, I got to actually get those checked out. That'll be but, my homework after the episode. But Peacock is free and they got The Office. They just pulled it off of Netflix finally. And like Peacock's got some cool stuff that's on there that I like. Uh, Pluto, I told you about that. Um, a lot of stuff that's on Hulu is just stuff that comes from cable and I can find other free ways to watch it. So like I can get by not having Hulu. It's not like they have any originals that i'm aware of. if they do have any good originals i'm not aware of them basically so hbo and netflix is like my dashly do everything else is just icing even disney plus like the only thing i watch only reason i have disney plus is because my girlfriend right she lets me use her password and the That's only so thing nice. i finished watch on disney plus was the whole star wars franchise but oh. i've i've seen star wars millions of times so and i have like old cassette like vcr tapes yeah so the only actual thing that was on disney plus was the mandalorian which they just finished up that season so at least for another year i'm straight like i could i'll be fine without it you know yeah you know that was that was honestly me last year my friend had it went over watched the mandalorian loved it finished the season was like okay that's it like there's nothing else i need here and now we're back mandalorian season 2 is out boom i got disney plus watched it enjoyed it and won't you know, I'm ready to like, I don't need it, but it's included with my plan at this point. And so maybe I'll explore and find some other things I like. And I will actually say, I think this actually follows up to our previous episode. Uh, my TV has arrived and I finally built out and completed my full home theater setup. I got my adult Lego kit, AKA the TV stand. And I assembled that, followed those instructions, got the TV, carefully took it out of the box, put it on the TV stand and hooked it up to our 3.1 sound system so it's been awesome and my flatmate and i we caught up on wonder woman 1984 and we watched soul last night it was uh, such a great experience and i will say that uh, it's great to finally have the tv set up so i can enjoy the holidays well i guess the holiday season kind of over at this point it's the new year we're getting back in the swing of things uh, but it's been great just being able to, you know, enjoy some content on a, a big theater like experience. One thing that I wanted to bring up here, uh, kind of circling back to almost our first topic was uh, Gazelle, the trade insight Gazelle, which was a site you used to be able to use to trade in your old phones and devices uh, is ending trade ins like it's ending the very thing that got it started. I'm not sure if Gazelle itself is shutting down or if it's just the trade in service. I know you can still uh, purchase devices from them but uh what's what's really cool is there are other services now that can kind of give you a better value so I, I was working on a video i don't know when it'll come out or if it'll come out at this point but like best place to sell your iphone and i compared gazelle with another website i found oc buyback and i also compared that with swappa and what i found is that uh, gazelle was the worst value for you the consumer but oc buyback was a really good value very competitive and then swappa was the best value so if you have the means to uh, take photos put that listing up and sell it on swappa you're getting the best price possible um, but the convenience that oc buyback offered uh, can be worth it for some individuals is um which one is it that has all the kiosks like when you go into like a walmart you know they have those really fancy kiosks where you can put your phone in and it like scans it is that gazelle Oh man, no! I I feel like it's another like it's another company that I think runs those. I don't think it's Gazelle. So but, here here's my here's my question to you though: Have you ever actually used one of them before? Like in a wait store? wait, I think it might be Eco ATM, which operates the kiosks, but I've never used one. 
Okay, well, I did one once just for funsies. I literally at the time put a brand new iPhone 8 Plus inside. Yeah. I'm talking literally this is like a week after the 8 Plus came out, okay? Why would you do this, Dennis? Like, I'm cringing even just thinking about it. I just wanted to see what it would see it was worth. I just okay. To- you could get it back, though, before committing. Yeah. That's, awesome. that's the reason awesome. I did it. But anyway, that thing is a freaking joke. Do you know how much they offered me for my 8 Plus at the time? It was like a week 15, after. 15 bucks. $35. Oh my God. Mink, like I'm I, literally, it's only been one week in my hand. Like, yeah, let's, let's, let's recap. That was when it came out, like what an eight or $900 phone. Yeah, it, it was wild. It was wild. I, I couldn't believe how badly you would get scammed. So I know we were talking about selling your phones before, but guys, for the love of God, do not rely on those kiosks. You can get much better deals selling it on something different, like, like swap or, craigslist or something else those yeah. things are a scam man yeah so the company to consider avoiding would be eco atm that's the sort of the service that dennis you were just describing uh swapa is typically not a super great deal i used another site declutter that was reasonable the best one i found is oc buyback i'll i'll give them a shout out i don't even have an affiliate link with them uh, but oc buyback worked well for me and Swappa, hands down, is my favorite way to sell all of my phones. That's what I use. I get the best value. Um, so, yeah, that was kind of a little side tangent there, but kind of related to, you know, if you're interested in buying and selling, I, I like Swappa. Facebook Marketplace is also pretty decent. Yeah, Facebook Marketplace is good, but I will just say one pro tip. Uh, if you're going to do any type of, like, in-person sales, I, I know it would probably be hard with COVID, but try to, like, do it somewhere, like, open and, like, you know, in a restaurant, you know, like, something that's safe. Because uh, I do be reading stories, at least in my area, people like getting robbed. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. And the other thing, too, is if you use uh, Venmo, it's possible to have those transactions reversed. And there's nothing you can do as the receiver because the sender is just like, yeah, it was an accident or something Charge like that. Back. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Just, listen, yeah. Pro tip. Cash, 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 cash. Not checks, not card, not Venmo. Cash. If it's not cash, get out of here. Because I got really screwed because of the whole chargeback thing. I learned a good lesson. Um, yeah. From- oh, I'm sorry to hear that, Dennis. Oh, yeah. yeah um, it's, it's tough. Because I, I remember uh, watching a video by, I think it was Sam uh, Sheffer who who made a video. Like, he tried to sell his phone, you know, Venmo. Hey, super easy, whatever. Uh, and then the whole chargeback thing. And he was basically like SOL. He was out of the phone. And that's uh, that's a tough pill to swallow. Like, that's not a fun situation to be in. Yeah, and then what makes it, what what adds insult to injury is that when that chargeback happens, it ends up hurting you as like a seller even more. Like when like so, like when Facebook does like their algorithm or whatever for future like posts, it hurts you in that way. Uh, certain companies have like an extra chargeback like fee that you end up having to pay on top of what you had to give back. Like it, there's all kinds of it sucks. Uh, it's great for the consumer, lots of consumer protection in place, but man oh man, does it suck. Um, so cash is king. Cash is king. Cash is um, king or do Swappa. I love that. They use PayPal. What's actually cool is you get paid immediately. And I love that. Like I get the little PayPal notification like, hey, you suddenly have like $454 in your account because your Galaxy S10 sold or whatever. And I, I love that. And you're like, all right, great. You go, you ship it. You confirm the shipping information. And uh, so far I've done maybe like 10 or 12 sales at this point. Everything's gone really well for me. And I love that site. I'm noticing in the live chat on YouTube, for those of us who are joining live, someone's asking about eBay. eBay can work. I personally find they have higher fees. 
My understanding is it's a 3% PayPal fee and a 10% of the total value of the phone fee. Plus you're typically paying for shipping. It depends how you want to list it. Uh, but I find that Swappa, from, from my experience, has typically offered uh, some of the best value as a seller. And on the topic of the live chat, too, I just want to also make mention that uh, Breaking Data just mentioned that Gazelle it yeah, is well, the one that owns the eco, ET, uh, eco ATM that I was just ragging on. <laughs> <laughs> That's insane. I thought it was the other way around. But Breaking Data, thank you so much for bringing that to our attention. Um, yeah, so it's kind of a poor system i wonder what they're going to do with all their ET, uh atms if they're no longer accepting trade-ins like they, they're going to decommission all those services i guess but yeah i think the reason behind it is because of the upgrade programs and things like that um people are more likely to trade in their devices as opposed to reselling them and i, I will say oftentimes especially in this past year with at&t offering the 800 and then 700 trading values verizon offering like 550 trading values trading in your phone if you're a postpaid subscriber can be a really really excellent option uh but for everyone else you know as we talked about buying your phone outright going prepaid uh that's when you're going to want to sell it online or something like that to recoup that cost but um, now but yeah. you're stuck in the financing deal again that we talked about. Yeah, that's what you want to avoid. So it's like a big fat asterisk. And the worst part, not to rant on this too much, but I noticed that they typically make the terms a 36 month or, yeah. or maybe is it that's that's three years. So maybe it's like 30. I think it's 30 months. So yeah. it's right between that two year and three year mark. So it's in the middle between you just got the new phone. And then when your lease is up, like the new phone isn't out yet. But then the old phone is already like six months old. So, yeah. So, since we brought up AT&T real quick, I yeah. want to talk about uh, AT&T's financial situation. I yeah, know, what's going on there? I just know they were in debt a lot. <laughs> so, yeah, so, Dennis, update us. What's happening? Yeah, so in the community, there's been like this like reputation that AT&T was kind of in a tough, like a rock and a hard place for the auction. But they just did their quarterly earnings, and HBO Max had incredible growth. And basically, in a nutshell, I just wanted to tell everybody, like, AT&T is doing just fine. Like, they are not in dire straits whatsoever. They had incredible growth with HBO Max. They're doing just fine. Yeah, they got a lot of debt, but as Snead always says, their their assets are just incredibly valuable. Like, they're, they, they got a good debt to, like, income ratio going on right now. So yeah. AT&T is posting some strong growth right now from their um, their new streaming platform, which is kind of cool. That's um, great. Have you, Stetson, with your new TV, did, you said you used HBO Max, right? You have that, right? So that's my flatmate. He has, I think they have like a grant, sort of an older system. So it's like HBO, but it includes the shows that are on HBO Max or something. Uh, I'm not exactly sure. He used that. I'm not the I'm not the owner of that. Okay. Well, did you watch the new Wonder Woman? Yeah, we did see it. Okay. What were your thoughts? Uh, it was great, but not as good as a Marvel movie. <laughs> so you're in the same boat as me. So yeah. if you had to give it a, if you had to give it a score though, out of one to ten, what would you rate it? I'd probably give it like uh, maybe a six. I'd give it a six. I mean, it was really great. You know, the visual effects pretty good. Um, part of it I thought was ridiculous, but. It was enjoyable. Like it's an enjoyable show. Would I watch it again? Probably not. So I think that's, I don't really watch a lot of shows again, but that one I probably wouldn't watch again. So from the catalog that you've been seeing on HBO max, do you think it's worth the $15 that they're charging? I think $15 
seems kind of expensive in the streaming landscape, but when you consider Netflix is charging, I think it's $18 now for their 4K option, and I believe 4K is just included with HBO at this point, uh, I think it's actually reasonable. You know, with their catalog, with what they're offering, I think 15 bucks is reasonable. I think it does kind of make the value of Disney Plus really shine. They don't have, you know, quite as much new content, but their backlog, uh, like the catalog they've built up is really excellent. And uh, the $8 a month for, I think, four screens at 4K is absurd. Yeah, I mean, I actually think the $15 isn't bad since that's what HBO always charged on, like, the cable side. Yeah. So, to me, $15 is worth it. And I was not, not only, by the way, did they include 4K support, but they have a lot of content that supports full Dolby Atmos and different stuff like that, too. Like, Wonder Woman was one of the things that had, like, full Dolby Atmos support. So, if you had, like, a you know, a baller like speaker set up like you were a happy camper. Um, yeah. Oh, man, it was the subwoofer I'm I'm delighted with. It really provides such an excellent rumble. Like when you toggle between the TV speakers and the sound system that I have, I mean, it's not much. It's 3.1. So it's just two bookshelves, the center channel, a subwoofer. But it really just adds so much depth to the movie. Uh, and I, I just loved feeling that rumble. It was great. I'm hoping next year to get some floor standing speakers to replace the bookshelves and move the bookshelves off to the left and right side uh, so we can get kind of more of a full surround sound setup with a 5.1 system. But that's that's in the future. We'll see if I get there. And Stetson, uh, if you want some good shows to put on like your to-do list to watch, yes. Uh, if you haven't seen it, a classic would be The Sopranos. That's totally binge-worthy. You got um, it. Another one is His Dark Materials. If you were a fan like the Harry Potter kind of like mystical world, I think you would get into like the Harry, um, the His Dark, His Dark Materials kind of world that's crafted there. Uh, Rick and Morty, by the way, is on HBO Max in case you haven't seen that. So there's a good comedy for you. Uh, and South Park is also all the seasons of South Park, with the exception of like a couple episodes, are also on HBO Max as well. Um, so there's some good stuff for you there to watch. I don't know many movies off the top, but I think HBO Max does have like a, I think they have like all the DC movies. Yeah, I think it's like Warner Brothers is uh, their big partner. So I think they got a lot. Well, AT&T owns Warner. Brothers. Yeah, well, that'll do it. Yeah. So, there, so there you go. Uh, uh, and breaking data uh, to answer your question, I believe Stetson, do you know the answer to his question? Is HBO Max three streams? The truth is, I don't know. I have no idea. I wish I had known. So the question is, how many streams uh, does HBO Max support? We think three at this point, but the truth is I don't know. Dennis, are you Googling this right now? Can I stall? I am. And... Yeah, I'm pretty sure it is three. Um, yeah, it's three different. Simultaneously, it is three. Okay. Um, that That's the one weakness, and I don't think there's an option to actually get more screens. So I guess that's one drawback. But realistically speaking, um, how often is it that you're going to have more than like a family of five? Right, right. Yeah. Trying to stream. Exactly. And you usually have multiple people watching the same screen, like one big kind of setup. Yeah. So let's kind of round out, I think, this news and maybe just go into some fun discussion topics. Uh, a couple things I wanted to mention. T-Mobile, as I found today. So I'm, I'm working as a sneak preview. I'm working on a T-Mobile review video. I'm in the process of scripting it and creating a keynote presentation to get some graphics to complement it. I was on the T-Mobile website this morning as they were updating it. And uh, so they're they're making changes and it was crazy because they really botched the system. They were making some unconventional changes. They were changing the prices of the 
tablet plans. It went from 15 bucks to 20 bucks for essentials. It went from 20 bucks to 35 bucks on Magenta Plus. So yeah, keep your eye on the T-Mobile website. Check it out if you haven't seen it today. One thing I do like is they made a really nice comparison sort of chart so you can really see the differences more easily between the plans and you can add smartwatches and tablets just to see what the pricing will be. Uh, but yeah, they kind of goofed in some areas as well. So keep your eyes there. Um, Verizon has paused their 3D shutdown. And I'm not exactly sure why. I think it's because they have legacy devices that still need the 3G network. And I don't even think it's like older people with flip phones. I think it's like vending machines or things like that. Yeah, Dennis, like what else uses the 3G network at this point? Yeah, I mean, it's a lot of like... I don't want to say internet of things things, but it's a lot of like, like you said, like old vending machines, for example, like where they might have to be connected to the cell network to process transactions via card, right? Or lots of like little term things that are low data usage, but they only have support for those things. So it's a lot of enterprise stuff that's like out in the wild that's going to take time to be replaced and, you know, upgraded. I and feel like they should have seen this coming. They probably did, but on the same token, it's kind of like one of those catch 22s where it's like, yeah, Verizon. Yeah, we understand you want to do this thing, but we're also giving you like 25 million a year because of all of our machines. So like you want to like cool your rocks, maybe. Yeah, you know, exactly. Exactly. All right. Oh, I have a few more bits of news is another one. Yeah. Home okay. Systems. Yep. Okay. Home security systems from breaking data. Thank you for that input. I think I've got two more bits. Uh, Simple Mobile just announced a new $40 unlimited plan. This was reported by Best MVNO. Uh, so, you know, kind of competing directly almost head to head with what we're seeing from Visible. Pretty cool opportunity. This is a track phone brand and they use the T-Mobile network for coverage. So uh, pretty competitive, probably very similar to Mint Mobile's plan as well, though it is a limited time offer only valid until March uh march 31st 2021 so if you're interested it's there and then i think the last bit of news actually i don't know if i had anything else dennis and you had actually a really cool leak that you got early yes um so uh comcast uh decided to increase for the for the northeast decided to increase their gigabit speed tier to 1.2 gigabits per second on the download speed so it's now 1.2 gigabits per second on download and then 35 upload is what they marketed as but uh comcast off also tends to over provision by 20 percent. so i did send um stetson a speed test result from earlier because it just took effect today for all new and existing customers but i actually got 1387 0.41 megabits per second on my download speed test and about 40 and 41.76 on the upload which is pretty wild um i was tall i was telling stats i'm like yeah i was excited to have this increased speed results but i really would like to see on the upload side so it ended up getting me digging even further when i found out about this and i was actually reading up on uh something that was posted on comcast's corporate website um basically they're talking about like their vision for 10 gig symmetrical speeds over their hybrid uh, coax network. Um, and the way they're going to take, like do this basically is with virtualization on the network and, Oh yeah. And Stetson is sharing the speed test result guys right now. I know our cameras are kind of in the, or not our cameras, our phones are in the way. But, yeah. Sorry about but, that. 
but that's the results that I got. So you guys can kind of see, uh, there we go. That's better. Yeah. That's the results that I got from the speed test. Um, so we should just read these out for anyone listening in the audio format. It's 1,387.41 megabits per second down and 41.76 megabits per second up. Uh, Dennis, my question, you said, uh, you know, what, what are this improvement is great, but what were the speeds before? Like, what were you getting before this? Um, so before this, I was getting like around like 1100, 1200 on the download and the upload was the same. Um, cause like I said, Comcast already over provisions their speed tiers. Like okay. when, you, when you sign up for blast, for example, which is 300 meg, you'll probably see like 360, you know, they, that's great. That's pretty awesome. So like they're really good about that, and and FiOS is the same way. Like they're two hundred by two hundred tier that they sell. If you run a speed test for most, at least here in the Northeast, you're act you're actually going to get three hundred by three hundred. Most providers over provision their speed tiers, uh, and I and I bet you it's probably the same for you, Stetson. Like if you do you have a, a PC with a multi gig um, Ethernet adapter, like a two point five gig NIC? I have absolutely no idea. <laughs> That's the truth. I have no idea. Oh. Well, if you did, I'm sure if you had a proper setup, I'm sure if you ran a speed test, you'd probably be getting over your gig that they marketed as. Yeah, yeah, I I would hope so. I mean, it's been great that I even have the just those symmetrical speeds, uh, gigabit per second down, gigabit per second up. It's insane. Really appreciate that. But yeah, I just wanted to share it. Like, honestly, I found out literally yesterday, so wasn't that exciting. But and I know it's only today, but I just want to let everybody know for like anyone that has like Comcast, which I'm sure there's probably millions of you, uh, they did do actually something nice for once for free. They increased their speeds. So that's exciting and cool. Absolutely. Uh, Des, are we ready to move on to like a just kind of a general discussion Q&A kind of hangout sesh? Yeah, yeah, we can do that. Let's do it. Sweet. Uh, so I think first we got to address the Patreon question. This one actually comes from someone in the live chat right now. Breaking data. Breaking Data, thank you so much for your continued support and this excellent question. The question reads, what is one moment in cellular history that you feel changed the market and industry? One caveat can't be the iPhone launch. This can be something from the carrier side or from the device slash tech side and also doesn't have to be a good change. So it could be a bad change as well. I thought this was a great question. Uh, Dennis, do you have, uh, do you want to go first? Should I go first? Yeah, I'll go first. Um, so for everybody that's been listening, this shouldn't surprise me too much because I'm a nerd. But the thing for me is when Qualcomm got their patents for all the different like for like all their different modem technology, specifically, though, when it came to supporting CDMA uh, networks here in the US, that was a pivotal moment that essentially clenched them into being a monopoly and is the reason why today every manufacturer essentially has to use a Qualcomm modem. Um, basically they got all these different patents that made it difficult for anybody to ever come in. Like, for example, we know Intel used to make modems for iPhone there for a short period of time, and they were investing in that for a long time, but Intel never supported CDMA networks like Verizon or Sprint. It was only GSM. And the reason was because if Intel wanted to support CDMA networks, they would have had to pay Qualcomm a substantially high royalty, basically to use that technology. So it made it pretty much not worthwhile. And it ultimately led to their downfall. Like, you know. Yeah, what what happened to Intel's modem making division? Basically, it was an inferior product because there was lots of different tech that they couldn't utilize. And 
outside of the iPhone, Apple using it there for that short period of time because they're a little corporate spat, it kind of went in the wayside. In fact, uh, that arm of Intel has actually been sold to Apple, and it's rumored that Apple's to be working on their own modem. But even still, I'm not like that optimistic since it's probably just going to be modems just for Apple iPhones, and it's not going to affect the whole industry as a whole. Yeah, the industry, yeah. So everyone else, all the Android manufacturers, they're still using qualcomm modems and this this goes for for all phones like uh, chinese market phones in like indian market phones north american phones european phones like pretty much all phones are using qualcomm pretty much all markets using qualcomm although the eu is a little bit of an exception since gsm is the the normal standard there i actually think samsung does make their okay yeah yeah they have what they they have the snapdragon and then they use the the exynos chipset and then samsung has their own modem i believe but oh, okay, okay. For the U.S. in particular, like focusing on like the U.S. specifically, Qualcomm is like the de facto like this is it. Like there's no real other choice, and it's and basically the reason why this is so pivotal is because it's kind of the reason why you're seeing phone prices as high as they are, right? Yeah, thousand like, dollars because the modems are so expensive for millimeter wave five G and the new five G antennas. Yep, and and also kind of sucks too because carriers could do all they want with investments, but they're basically at the end of the day at Qualcomm's beck and call to make a device that actually supports, say, like N forty one when it rolled out or different things. So that was a pivotal moment in the cell phone space for a negative. Now Stetson, I'm going to go ahead and let you be you and be rosy and perky. Go ahead and tell them what. You <laughs> yeah, think. yeah. So I I had something. I thought this was such a great question, and what immediately came to my mind as like one defining moment in cellular history. And this is when John Ledger, he got up. I don't know if it was a stage or if it was just like some T-Mobile store or whatever, but he got up and he announced T-Mobile One. And I thought this was huge. This is part of the Uncarrier 12 announcement. And this is where T-Mobile basically said, I have some quotes here. So John Ledger says, quote, this is huge. This is historic. And this will change the industry forever. I declare the era of the data plan is over. We are completely destroying the whole concept of a data plan. It's gone. And then he took these buckets, like actual buckets that were on the table next to him and just threw them on the floor. It's like, what even are these? I thought this was such a, an important moment in you know telecom history because uh, it basically changed the game for the consumer landscape of what plans we have today. And T-Mobile kind of upset this model, this historic data bucket model where at the time I wrote these down, Verizon was offering two gigs for 35 bucks, four gigs for 50 bucks, eight gigs for 70 bucks and 16 gigs for 90 bucks. Like that's insane. Just 16 gigs for 90 bucks. And this is before you had to pay the line access charge. So you got, you bought your data and then you had to pay to get your phone access to that data, which is ridiculous. And that was $20 a line. So you were looking at really, really expensive rates, 55 bucks for two gigs, 70 70 bucks for four gigs. And T-Mobile just came in here with their T-Mobile one plan, 70 bucks a month, all taxes and fees included unlimited everything and i thought that was huge that was uh to me such a game changer and now we see unlimited plans from verizon at&t uh and t-mobile of course still with their unlimited plans so i thought to me that was just like a a defining moment where i'm not going to say the whole industry because data buckets are still very real for a lot of like the smaller carriers they have set data amount plans but the sort of here's your shared data amount line access charge model it didn't, it didn't go away, but it really, uh, the focus became on these unlimited plans. The Verizon, get more, play more, and do more. AT&T, unlimited starter, unlimited extra, unlimited elite, and T-Mobile, 
essentials magenta in magenta plus so that was that was my moment i thought it was a good moment and I actually remember doing a video on it t-mobile one explained just kind of talking about the features they added and uh what it meant for the industry yeah i mean even even the like buy the gig plans of today are significantly different like it, you know, you use your gig and then you get throttled with like 2G. You're not paying like $20 for every additional gig, which. Yeah, yeah. For the um, That was actually the big thing that, you know, T-Mobile was marketing with their T-Mobile One plan is what, what happened before is you had this data amount. And if you went over your data bucket, you got charged overage charges, which was ridiculous. And if you didn't want to pay overage charges, you can pay Verizon for what they called safe mode at the time which would prevent you from incurring data charges. But it was just, uh, I think John Ledger, you know, he said some very colorful language in the video, which I thought was actually uh, pretty accurate and funny and, and entertaining. So, I, you know, whether or not you like T-Mobile or, you know, maybe you have different feelings toward them, I, I think they've done a great job improving their network and I actually really respect uh, this movement that they did. I think it's much easier for consumers now to have everything just be unlimited. You don't have to think about it. And what they did at the time was a really great value. And I think actually continues to be a really great value. And what's yeah. interesting is, uh, Dennis, I was doing some research into this, right? Verizon is still offering data bucket plans. Oh, yeah. We had that discussion and they're terrible value. <laughs> yeah, they're a terrible value. So get this. The line access charge has actually increased. Before it was $20 a line. It is now $25 per line. The current plans are better. So it's five gigs for 30 bucks and 10 gigs for 40 bucks but then you add in your line access charge and you're looking at 55 dollars for five gigs or 65 dollars for 10 gigs which i don't even understand because verizon literally offers like verizon prepaid unlimited everything for 65 bucks a month like it's just it boggles my mind but they're they're still here so something and, to look out for and you know what's funny is if t-mobile if t-mobile didn't go down the uncarrier path I think it's safe to assume that unlimited data plans would have went the way of the dodo bird. It, it um, could be true. Yeah. Well, what's interesting is we kind of had like a peak and then a fall, a sharp decline, right? Where carriers were like, all right, here's true unlimited data plans. And anyone who signed up then, oh man, did they get the good deals? Den Wait, was that you, Dennis? Like, did you get that like true, yeah. like, insane priority amount? Oh my God. Yeah, no, I, so I was on Simple Choice when Simple Choice was first thing because I came back in 2013 and then Simple Choice became Simple Choice North America. And then I kept that for a while because when T-Mobile was first introduced, it actually was a terrible deal because you had to buy those uh, unlimited day passes every single day even if you got like their good one plus plan you had to sign up for every 24 hours you had to re-up on the the hd day passes so you had like full priority data um thankfully they ended up tweaking that and i got grandfathered in on like a good Timo one plus plan but yeah the new unlimited plans that today definitely come with a lot of caveats you know um mine doesn't have a video restriction like if i want to watch 4k i can watch 4k like i know when sneed does speed test on fast.com he gets capped to like eight meg yeah it doesn't happen to me on my plan Wow, so I get That's the really full nice. like, 100 meg or whatever's available. Um, yeah, yeah, you can get around that with uh, VPN. Shout out to affiliate link ExpressVPN, expressvpn.com slash Tetson. But um, <laughs> what I've noticed is that does increase latency. So if you're gaming, that's that's a no-go. But for video streaming, it's typically fine where you can stream your content. Like it takes a little bit to buffer and then you're good to go. Okay, what's interesting, this is a, this is a big red flag you actually got to look out for. I was just chatting with, black i think it's called black wireless or black mobile i'm adding new plans and carriers to my website bestphoneplans.net and i was chatting with a representative like hey you know what uh does this plan include can you stream at hd quality and the rep's like yep 
full HD quality is fully supported. And, you know, I followed up like, you know, are you sure? I just wanted to check. I know some plans like T-Mobile, they cap their speeds at 1.5 megabits per second, which is enough for standard definition 480p video streaming quality. And they're just like, yep, it's capped at 1.5 megabits per second. It's like, well, wait a minute. You just said it supported HD streaming. And the what's happening is basically the plan can load HD videos on YouTube. You can select the quality. It just takes a really long time to load and buffer the video. So some to look out for, like I'm pretty sure even my plan will support up to like, it'll support the higher resolution for YouTube where you can actually select that. But uh, for, it'll just take time to buffer on YouTube. And I don't think it'll support it on the other streaming platforms where you can't really choose the quality as easily. On Android, you pretty much always can. Like you can go on Netflix, for example, go to settings, click on like best of very, like you can tell it what to load. Um, but I'll just say one 1.5 meg isn't getting you HD. Like at best, you might be able to eke by 720p, maybe 720p, but not not 1080p or better. Like it's going to be so unbearable. You're going to be sitting there on the buffer wheel for a solid like 10 minutes, and then you're going to watch like like 30 seconds, and then be on that buffer wheel again. It's just not a good experience. Yeah, but, no, it definitely was true. Yeah, but off of that topic, I got a random one kind of for you. Um, so. I don't know if you've been paying attention to news, Stetson, but the government did get their act together a little bit and did pass a bill now for a $600 stimulus check to be rolling out. Sweet. That's what I like to hear. My question for you is, what are you going to do with the 600 bucks? That's a great question. I'm actually not sure if I'm eligible because I think my parents claimed me as a dependent on their taxes last year. So we'll pretend like you pretend, uh, pretend, pretend like I I gave 600 you. bucks yeah. gifted to me. Uh, what would I do? That's that. I don't know. I mean, I feel like I just spent so much money the past couple of months moving to Colorado. I upgraded my camera. I got some new lights and I did all of that. I got the whole TV entertainment system. So I'd probably consider saving it. If I were to try and buy something fun, I mean, most immediately what comes to my mind is Galaxy S21 is right around the corner. I bet you I have my pre-pre-order in. So I'm on a wait list to eventually pre-order it. <laughs> so I'd probably uh, put it towards that if I'm being honest, because uh, th I think that'll be an exciting phone. It'll be helpful to have for the channel. So that's probably what I would do with the 600 bucks. Then, so you have anything more fun than than what I have? I mean, I feel like I was just so realistic. There's nothing nothing crazy, yeah, nothing special. I, I, really, I really wanted you to be like, you have to blow it. I was hoping for something exciting, but um, I mean, I, I'm not- I'm a excited about the S21. I just, it's not like the most exciting purchase of all i don't know i know i know but it's like towards your business uh i was gonna say for me personally um if i had the 600 bucks i would try to net me like a playstation 5 <laughs> oh dennis i love that you know what i'd also say i would probably try and support some local businesses maybe eat out a couple restaurants and then just be like super generous with the tips Ooh, that's a good one man too bad all the rest so pennsylvania is back on lockdown or at least Pittsburgh is so yeah all my restaurants are like closed right now but that's a good oh, one man. yeah yeah I just feel like they really could use it you know more than I could at this point and you know stimulus is supposed to help stimulate the economy so I feel like that's what I would be doing so those I'll, are I guess those are my, my ideas <laughs> what I said I, I, I'll support my local Best Buy <laughs> do you guys accept tips <laughs> <laughs> yeah here's here's 500 bucks for actually giving it to me and then you could just keep the change <laughs> yeah no you know okay wait back to the tv story so what happened was i bought this roku tv it was a yeah it was a tcl six series r635 great tv great value 
and I sign up for the Best Buy credit card. So I get that initial offer where you get 10% back on your first purchase. So I got 10% back on this. Uh, it was open box. So it was a $900 TV, but I got it for 720 bucks. And I, that was 10% back. So I got basically like $70 of credit, which I then used to buy my speakers, which I thought was a clever move. Um, but what happened was the, the Roku TV, the TCL TV died. And so I had to return it. And so now I have like negative credits, negative reward points. The good news is they haven't charged me anything, right? So I, I still apparently got to keep my discount. Um, but all of my future Best Buy rewards points are going into this like black void of negative points until I get that evened out. Wait, 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 wait. I thought you got the TV from B&H. I'm so confused. Yeah, so I bought two TVs. The first one was the TCL 6 Series R635. And that was the $720 one. But it broke. It died. The panel just wouldn't turn on. And so thankfully, it was re within my return window. So I just walked into Best Buy and returned it. And they gave me a full refund, which is great. I really appreciate that. And then after that poor experience, I said, you know, hey, maybe it's time to switch brands. And I know B&H offers a really uh, great program with their PayBoo credit card where I don't have to pay sales tax. And that's like 8%. So that's a pretty good discount. So I bought the Sony X950H from B&H Photo Video. And that's how I ended up with that TV. And we have it now. And it's amazing. I love it. Okay. But, yeah. We'll since we're having TV talk, um, in 2019 on Prime Day, oh I, yeah, I got my dad a nice like Fire TV. Yeah, uh, I believe it was made by I can't think of who it was made by at the moment. It's slipping my mind, but got a good deal on it. I got it for like 200 bucks. It was like a 42 inch, and this was a good upgrade for him because he had like a round back TV in his bedroom with like a flat screen. So I got it for him, got it set up, and like he got it set up and stuff, and. It had the worst dead pixels you could imagine. There was ghosting Ooh. all over the place. He thought it looked incredible. I'm like, what? I know it's my dad. He's old. But I was like, like the first thing I noticed when I walked in is this just huge, like purple halo at the bottom of the screen. I'm just like, how do you not notice this? Thankfully, <laughs> so prominent, like, yeah. Thankfully, you know, it was pretty easy to get it swap a rooneyed, and the next one was fine. But man, you got to be careful with those like cheaper TVs. I got to tell you. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, when I, I was talking with the Best Buy employee about it, and apparently TCL manufactures their own panels, which is how they're able to cut down on costs. But where they're cutting out on costs and the manufacturing quality control, things like that, uh, could be kind of a you know red flag as to um, kind of the longevity of those panels. So yeah, we have a comment from Breaking Data kind of showing something similar um he said he wants it to oh die. he wants it to die never mind yeah no <laughs> hey. i mean they're great value but the i think it's they're unproven to me in terms of longevity and this is where best buy was like yeah we have our geek squad protection program it's like all right i'm just gonna take that geek squad protection program pricing and apply that to the sony tv i'm gonna get hey but stetson i have a quick question for you so yes. with it's around the corner. What do you think the future is going to be for TV tech? Like, where do we go from here? Like, 4K was already usual. Like, what's the next thing in TVs, right? Is it more I resolution or what is it? It's going to be micro LED. So we already saw a pretty huge push. There's, there's two kinds of LED terms you'll see. One is mini LED. And this is referring actually to the backlight of the panel, where you have a bunch of milli, mini LEDs, uh, small little squares of LED light that are illuminating the back panel of the LCD screen. And 
what this does is it allows certain LEDs to turn off in darker, uh, you know, if you're displaying a, a darker image, sections of the image are darker, those LED backlights can individually turn off and help provide enhanced contrast ratios and overall better picture quality. So that is mini LED. Micro LED is more similar to OLED, where uh, the pixels themselves actually emit their own light. Now, the difference between mini LED and OLED is OLED stands for organic light emitting diode. That means it's using organic matter to uh, create the to create the light and to create that insane infinite contrast ratio where the pixel will actually turn off when it's not in use. The problem is because it's organic matter, it will degrade over time. And that's where you get things like burn in take effect. And this is I want to say mostly noticeable in smartphones. A lot of TV manufacturers are using pixel shifting technology to try and prevent burn in, but um, it's a real thing for OLEDs. Like they have superb quality, excellent response time, but you know, burn ins, one of the compromises. Micro LED is basically OLED, but it's not using an organic compound, it's using an inorganic material. So it will effectively eliminate the burn in problems. And they can have really really amazing applications you can uh get very slim bezels on them so i think that's the next frontier like 8k micro led that's my take i think that that's probably the most rational approach uh, yeah, however, you are you dreaming big i'm like in reality right now i'm firmly rooted <laughs> in what i see around me what's yeah i mean uh, that's the logical big approach? approach uh for me i was picturing so we already seen like see-through tvs as a thing like minus tech tips showed off one of those but I'm picturing like like almost like a see-through like hologrammy TV where like like some AR stuff goes like like goes down right like you're like maybe you're watching a horror film and you're incorporating like some stuff that's going on in the real room so that each time you watch like this type of content it's like a personalized experience similar to how like gaming is interactive. I'm picturing some type of leap forward in like inter interactivity when it comes to consuming our content, similar to what 3D was trying to accomplish but failed. Sure, I'm picturing sure. something like that. I could see um, that. I think VR is really where that kind of, I think that immersive experience is going to shine. And as a sneak peek, we hopefully will have some guests on the show at some point in the future to explore that concept and that idea further. But I think in terms of immersive engaged entertainment i think vr and ar are probably going to be the way to go <laughs> that 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 is definitely true but vr i i have a vibe i showed you this when we first yeah talked. yeah and vr is definitely something that requires planning and preparation i'm just picturing like the space. Down on the couch and then like like i said like maybe it's like some horror movie right like well, there's some my question is, what did you think of 3D TVs? Because we had those at one point. I remember CES, like, I don't know, 2015, 16, like 3D, like here's some glasses, like you're getting a 3D image. So, uh, you know, how do you feel like that fits into this this idea you're talking about? 3D sucked at home, to be honest. Um, That's how I felt too. 3D was cool, though, in movie theaters, like specific. Well, I don't know if you want to call it 4D, but down in Disney World, right? They yeah, got like like 3D shows, but like when you're watching the thing happen, like they're spritzing you with the water and they're doing different things like that. Like that was legit. Now, do I want that in my house? Like like getting wet? Yeah, no. let me, all right, we're setting up the spritzer. Oh man, this is gonna be a big movie. <laughs> no, but but what I'm thinking is is like so you've used Snapchat filters before, right? You know, yeah. you take a picture and you got the little dude dancing on your desk and it's like interactive with the environment. 
I'm picturing that, but for TV content, right? Like, like, um, I, I don't know how you would smart analyze or incorporate AI, but like, let's just say there was a commercial for Tide. I, I'm just using a random example. Sure, yeah. They're like, yeah, Tide will get the stands out in no time. And then somehow your TV is able to show your carpet, your carpet with like the stain on it and the Tide doing a thing. Like some way incorporating your environment so it's a little more personalized or you're watching like a super scary movie and literally when the wall is being broken, it's not just some random generic movie theater wall. No, it's your wall that looks like it's cracking open. Do you, do you see what I'm saying? Almost like a sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like finding a way to bring your context into the film or almost to bring the film into your world as well. Yeah, just to make it that much scarier. Like, I guess that we're getting into hologram world, but like, I I don't know. I just, it would be cool if we came up with a really revolutionary, like not so much gimmicky, but like a true revolutionary way to further expand entertainment uh, on the couch setting that doesn't require like some type of headset. Yeah, right. yeah, we'll see. Well, what I'd like to do now is actually open up any Q&A to the live audience that's watching us on YouTube. We live stream the podcast every Thursday at 5 p.m. Eastern time. And so for anyone who's watching us live, uh, I'd love to just open it up to you all. Uh, let us know if you have questions and we'll be happy to, to discuss. Um, yeah. And anyone else who definitely wants to make sure they get their question answered, we have the Patreon page where we always prioritize uh, those questions. And uh, it's been really fun. So consider supporting us there. Link in the show notes. Um, but yeah, as some of the people have commented, uh, Breaking Data is looking to upgrade his TCL TV. And uh, David Hall is sold on micro LED. So I'm I'm sold too, but it's not ready for prime time. We actually might see micro LED in laptops, I think, sooner this year. Um, We're kind of waiting, I feel like, for the chat. So I, we while should we're, like while we're waiting on the chat, I, I had some other things to talk about, though. Yeah, so. absolutely, Dennis. Go for it. So, um, Stetson. Yes. Uh, you know, you told me you have Stadia. You know, you're kind of big on, like, streaming. I do, IP. yeah. I love I love cloud gaming. Well, have you heard about Shadow PC? <laughs> uh, I'm not sure how you want me to answer this. No, I had not heard about Shadow PC, and then you probably told me about it, so now I have. <laughs> but that is, okay. please, please tell me more about what Shadow PC is, and you know what the audience would want to should know about it. All right, so Shadow PC is similar to Stadia and GeForce. Now they market themselves to gamers. Basically, you pay for a subscription, and they give you a virtual machine on their servers where you get like a, but you get the full windows experiences, which makes them different. And basically you can game on it. And like, that's what they're marketing. However, I was telling Stetson, cause I was thinking cheat kind of creatively that since you have access to a full windows environment, if you were someone that say lived in an area that you had poor internet connectivity, like for example, I'm stuck with my poultry 40 meg upload. Uh, I could actually record content using their their Windows virtual machine and upload using their Windows virtual machine and take advantage of their bandwidth, which when I ran a speed test using their service, I got symmetrical two gigabit Internet using their, their virtual machine. So uh, that was just something kind of creative and cool that I was thinking about as like a future way to do things for people that are kind of like living in like maybe really crappy areas for Internet, you know? 
um, maybe take advantage of like a virtual machine to do your pro like your work and stuff like that. The the caveat we've discovered though is you actually need really fast internet. To Not that well. I think the minimum requirement was what fifteen meg down, five meg up. The part that was really tight was with latency. They say you should have a max of thirty milliseconds. So you have to live close to a data center, but. For the type of use case that I was posing, I don't really think it's going to matter if there's that much of a delay. Like, yeah, latency right. only matters with gaming, but if you're just, you know, chalking up an upload for YouTube, do you really need to have the most responsive click in the world, you know? Absolutely not. Yeah, I mean, if you are doing, like, screen recordings or something that you can create the content on the virtual machine, then upload it on the virtual machine, that would be insane. Or if you're doing a game that's more single-player and relaxed where latency is less of an issue, I feel like that could totally work. And uh, that's actually probably probably the biggest barrier to cloud gaming is making sure the latency is low enough such that uh, you feel like you're actually in the game and you can compete and you're not, you know, getting taken advantage of. So you just clicked on a thing, by the way, from the live chat from Breaking Data again. Yeah. About data. So he's so for everybody that's listening, Breaking Data just said, I actually have Shadow Ghost hardware. Stetson, I'm not very familiar on Shadow Ghost hardware. Can you make me a little bit more familiar on that? Shadow. I have actually no idea. I thought that was something that was related to what we were talking about with the streaming service you brought up, but perhaps it is different. So maybe we can pivot or breaking data. So go into more detail in a comment and we'll bring it up in the future. Um, I thought that was related to like the hardware for streaming or something, but oh, 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 I shadow tech shadow i i i understand what he's saying sorry it's just a different name i looked it up it took me to shadow tech i'm stupid i'm sorry um <laughs> but okay. I, I, I got him now but yeah just so you guys know if we're not sponsored with them in any way in any shape or fashion it's just something kind of cool that i knew about because of linus um and i thought about it that it would be cool to talk about sweet um, sweet but i'm not really seeing anything oh dennis i am locked into ghost Oh, you want to test it out? Hit me up. I could try mine. Um, okay. So you don't need a PC. So it sounds like you could stream the game with this device where you didn't actually need the PC aspect as opposed to like kind of like Stadia, I would almost say, where you get a controller and you get a Chromecast Ultra, you're good to go, as opposed to needing a proper PC to get access to the high-end gaming PC to then stream your game. That's my That's my understanding right now. Okay. I'm going to pivot. We actually had a great question from uh, David Hall. Are we going to get an AT&T video like the Verizon and T-Mobile priority data ones? Uh, David, this is a great question. For those of you who don't know, I did an extensive speed test comparison. I did one on the Verizon network, Verizon postpaid versus prepaid data priority. I did one that was even better, I think, on the T-Mobile network. I included video streaming quality, postpaid priority, uh, the speeds after you're deprioritized. You've gotten over the 50 gig allotment. Uh, and David, to answer your question, yes, an AT&T video will be coming, but uh, it's like really expensive to do and, and I have to get the correct plans and everything. So I'm focusing on other content first in the beginning of the year. We're talking like best cell phone plans 2021. Uh, we're talking about T-Mobile review, some other videos that are in the works. Um, so that will honestly be, I don't know, maybe like a late spring or early summer project. I just need to, I'm focusing on updating my website, bringing that to the to the next level. And um, that's the priority for now. But AT&T will be coming and it will be expensive, but it will be awesome. So I'm super excited about it. 
Um, I'm not seeing too many other questions in the live chat. So, uh, Des, maybe we should kind of close the show out and, and wrap it up here. Mm, we'll give it another minute because we did leave one other question on the table. Um, do you want to talk about our last point that we kind of had set up real quick? Yeah, sure. Go for it. So this is just a fun question that I kind of prepped, but I'm going to ask it to you now, Stetson. Uh, what is more important to you if you were going to buy a house? Good wireless coverage from like cellular carriers. And I'll just say in this example, you have good wireless from all of them or having fiber to the house. You can only have one or the other. So if you pick fiber, you're going to have like no cell service. Or if you pick cell service, you're going to have like no like fiber or cable. What? Or okay. You have to give me the minimum speeds I'd be getting with the cell service. <laughs> I um, feel like it's going to be whatever is good at the time. So for, for 5G right now, we'll say with the cell service, we'll say you have like N41 coverage. You know, it's, it's ball. Well, I mean like for internet, like, cause if I'm oh, not getting gigabit internet, like what's, what's the other alternative? Like, is it something like Verizon's 200, 200 or is it like, oh, what? I, I got you. So if you pick the fire provider, you can get gig like that. You get, okay. you, know, you get great. Actually, you can get two gig. You'll get Google fiber. You got two gig. Oh, there you snap. Go. Um, so you got two gig from Google fiber or from the wireless providers. I mean, you're getting the best of the best that 5G can offer. So like you're getting like 600 megabits per second from N41. Okay. Um, wireless. Oh, man. All right. This this changes everything. So thinking about it now, here's what I would do. I originally was like, oh, man, I love high speed internet. I would hands down go fiber. But if I'm in a location that's getting N41, amazing coverage, maybe if I'm lucky, even millimeter wave, I would say I would go with the cell phone plans in a new house and I would be able to just use one of their, I say use, but there's probably like a huge asterisk, but I would try and get one of their Wi-Fi routers to use as, um, to provide a, a gateway access. So I'd use actually the cellular plan for my internet because the cellular plan would be so fast. That's my that's my answer to that. So yeah. I would I would go for the the cell phone coverage. T-Mobile actually just announced uh, a new 5G router, or excuse me, it's a 5G modem. I think is the proper term. Correct me if I'm mistaken there, but uh, I think it's by Nokia. I almost want to say. I'm not too sure who it's made by, but yeah, they they came out with a new one where it can aggregate like band. It supports like N71 and N41 now. And yeah, people that's what I would do. Better speeds. Uh, for me personally, though, I go the opposite direction. I got Wi-Fi calling, so I pick fiber all day, every day. I don't yeah, okay, well, here's the thing. You're not filming YouTube videos, and it would be so much easier like to just get all of the coverage in my house. I wouldn't have to travel anywhere. Just boom. Like I need this shot of Verizon 5G or Event 41. Boom, I'm at home. I got it. Yeah, this is, this is true, but the thing I'm thinking about is this. Um, well you took it into a territory i wasn't expecting but yeah well i film it so that's why it's like useful yeah. for me and it's but for you for people. everyone else well i don't know i mean having so it was a harder choice in my mind because the thing i was thinking about is this if you have fiber you're still stuck with like one isp right so if google sure. fiber one day decide to charge me 130 bucks i'm sol but when you pick the cell phone service because i said the caveat you get good cell phone service from all of them you can freely sit around and have some good competition there but i would still pick fiber um, even if I was even if I was in your shoes, that's in um, I would still pick fiber because that 600 megabit per second Internet from like T-Mobile is got it's still subject. To, it's like still deeper. Oh, yeah. It's, it's still, the bottom of the barrel. Yeah. 100%. So like, I would pick glorious fiber, which you have glorious fiber. You know how good it is. <laughs> I know how good it is. I was just thinking for my business, like 
having access to to those kinds of network technologies and the convenience of my home, getting fast speed test for for B-roll footage, mm, that'd be good. So, and then I would be able to test out the home internet, which I feel like people will be curious about. And I'm not even sure if I'm in an eligible market, to be honest. So, but I think it's safe to. I think it's pretty safe to call it a show. I would say, man. Let's. Uh, let me let me answer two questions, and then we'll. Uh, kind of plug some stuff and wrap it up all right cool cool uh new prepaid plans jose santana asks are any new prepaid plans you're willing to test uh jose yes i have a little bit of a backlog right now i'm gonna be honest i signed up when i did my t-mobile speed test signed up for metro t-mobile prepaid and t-mobile so uh i have to review those i have mint mobiles unlimited plan and i also signed up for red pocket so yes i really want to test more it's going to be kind of a I'm going to review them <laughs> before my monthly bills renew and then uh, kind of get out. I'm a one man team right now. I guess Dennis is with me for the podcast, which I love and appreciate. Um, but for prepaid carry reviews, I would like to test all of them. And then uh, it's just going to take a while. So there's stuff in the works. And the last question of the show, any plans to expand best phone plans outside the United States? Tim, excellent question. Thank you for asking. Yes. My goal for this year is to get cell phone plans in Canada uh, on the best phone plans website to really help my Canadian friends find an affordable option to meet their needs. I recently added eSIM plans to bestphoneplans.net so you can compare the available eSIM data plans both in the United States and available elsewhere. Uh, so I'm hoping to expand there as well. So those are the final questions. Thank you to everyone who joined us on the live stream and to everyone who's listening at home. Uh, so I think we should kind of, uh, close this thing out. Thank yeah. you for listening. Dennis, I feel like I keep cutting you off. So <laughs> I'm sorry. I just have to, I want to respond to Tim's question because I didn't see it. Yeah. Uh, I want to add, I was just going to say, Tim, uh, just so you know, man, support us on Patreon. That way we, maybe we can basically get people to help us out that live in other countries. Cause that would be an ultimate goal of us to get large enough where we could actually like hire someone from Canada to actually do the testing. Right. Cause me and Stetson, you know, we're stuck in the States and with code right now, we ain't going nowhere. Got to reach so, out to Linus media group. <laughs> there you go. But seriously guys, support us on the Patreon so we can do cooler stuff for y'all. We would love to test out the Canadian networks, Mexico, Korea, and everywhere else. I mean, that would be pretty epic. So follow us on the Patreon, make that dream a possibility. Yeah. Patreon and, link in the show notes and in the video description. And now I'll and now I'll hush hush. That's and go ahead and do your thing. <laughs> yeah, we're just we're just gonna call the show here. So thank you everyone for listening. You can find us uh, wherever you listen to your podcasts. And every Thursday at five PM Eastern time, we will be live streaming on YouTube. Either way, that's gonna be it for this episode. I'm Stetson, and I'm Dennis, and we look forward to talking to you in the next one. Take care, everybody. Bye bye. <laughs>